my friends. Welcome to another episode of Pondering Purple. We've already looked at the consequences of the many transitions MKs and TCKs experience, but I haven't yet given you specific guidance on what might help you through transition in as healthy and thoughtful a way as possible. So this is the first of three episodes on transition. This one is about preparing to leave well. The next one will be about entering a new world well, and the third one will be about 10 mindsets that will be helpful for TCKs and MKs in any phase of life, but particularly when navigating the upheavals of transitions. Bear in mind that the following five steps are just a starting point for the process of goodbying. When I lead sessions, it can take up to two hours to cover them all, so please understand that this is a skeleton outline and that you and your family can flesh it out with mindsets, activities, and planning that are specific to your own situation. One more note before we get into it. Some of you will already have left your previous world by the time you hear this. I want you to know that it's not too late. Some of what is involved in this transition plan can be done even in retrospect. So, without further ado, this is Transition, Preparing to Leave Well. The acronym I'm going to use for this topic is PEACE, P-E-A-C-E. It's a word I actually love to associate with preparing for transition because, in my experience, peace seems to be the first thing I lose in the midst of packing boxes and working out logistics and saying goodbyes. Transition can be hard, even when it's something we're anticipating with joy. And when I think of peace, I'm reminded of John 14, 27. In the New Living Translation, it's put this way, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. That's the promise I cling to in times of transition, the promise to every one of us that even in the midst of life's most complex upheavals, God offers and embodies peace. So, Let's get started with step number one. Plan and persevere. This is the first step in preparing for any transition. It's also one of the scarier ones because it can make us feel like this is for real, like the move is really going to happen, like the goodbyes are crystallizing into something inevitable. If you're anything like me, you might keep putting off beginning the process because you don't feel ready for it yet. And again, if you're anything like me, by the time the transition imposes its reality on you, you might find that it's too late to do it right, to give it the bandwidth it needs, to enter into the leaving process in a conscious, intentional, no regrets kind of way. So I may need to preface step one of this transitional model with this bit of encouragement. Just begin force yourself to inch one foot forward and acknowledge the reality that this is necessary and that it'll make things easier in the end. This planning stage might feel tedious. It's also a sanity saver. This is when you'll make lists and then you'll take them to a calendar and figure out a timeline to get them accomplished well enough in advance of the departure to minimize your stress. 
you'd do well to also sit down with someone else, and I think this is important, and walk through it together to make sure you haven't forgotten anything. So by the time you're finished with this planning phase, you'll know when to begin sorting through your belongings to figure out what you're keeping, giving away, or tossing, when you'll pack up the seasonal wardrobe you won't need until you're in your new world, when you'll start taking things off your wall, and when you'll get your suitcases out and start filling them. With each of these practical things on a calendar, the jumble of to-dos in your mind will feel less overwhelming, and taken one at a time and well ahead of your transition, each task will be that much more manageable. The persevere part of this plan and persevere step has everything to do with weariness. Transition is exhausting on so many levels, but you will benefit greatly by the time it's over if you've found the courage and endurance to stick to the plan you made and, yes, persevere. Keep at it. Knock out those tasks one at a time as if your sanity depends on it because, in many ways, it does. If you're a parent, you'll need to be a cheerleader for your children, too, as persevering isn't always an easy thing to do. You might want to design what I call a family adventure calendar, or FAC. A homemade creative calendar might be fun, too. It needs to be big enough for all kinds of notes to be written into its days, and it should cover the amount of time remaining before the move. In an ideal world, for reasons we're going to explore next, that calendar should cover a full 365-day year, if possible. That way, you'll be able to easily schedule in all the logistics, but also all the lasts that come with Step 3, without feeling overwhelmed in the final days. Children often need a bit longer to wrap their minds around a huge change than adults do, so this would also give them the processing time they need. Number two, eliminate conflict. I've worked with an awful lot of missionaries and adult MKs, and of all the regrets I've heard them express, none has been as common or as burdensome as unresolved conflict. In the craziness of a major move, we often don't realize how crucial it is to invest intentionally in repairing broken or wounded friendships, whether they be between family members, acquaintances, or colleagues. Even years later, I've seen people grieve their inability to go back and at least try to fix a relationship that used to be important to them. In order to be intentional about resolving conflicts, it's essential that we carve some time and emotional energy out of the busyness of transition and well before moving day arrives. Only then can we evaluate our relationships with a clear, uncluttered mind. We need to understand that the healthy leaving we're striving for will be damaged if we leave unresolved conflict untreated. So, find a time when you can honestly and thoroughly think back over the friendships that have meant something to you in the place you're exiting, and identify those you might have neglected. Look back over the recent past and just check to see if you've said or done something that has caused harm to someone else, or if what someone else has said and done to you has caused harm. Then, sincerely consider whether addressing it would be the right thing to do, not just so you can reduce some of the pain and guilt associated with it, 
but so you can leave with a healthy sense of closure. You might think, but I'm leaving anyway. What's the use of dredging this up? If it's important, if it's still affecting you or someone you know in a significant way, you don't want to look back on this opportunity to make things right years later and regret that you didn't do something. The wounds we receive and inflict don't fade with time. They only anchor deeper. Step number three, acknowledge people places, foods, customs, and everything else you've loved in the universe you're leaving. This is my favorite step of transition. Of course it is. It gives me permission to indulge a little. That transitional calendar we talked about in step number one is going to be essential to making everything involved in this step happen. If you can give yourself a few months and spread these activities out, it'll be that much more achievable and enjoyable. The first thing to do is sit down with a blank piece of paper, one per person if you're a family, and write down a few headers, like people, places, food, activities, and anything else that's pertinent to your experiences in the place you're leaving. Then take the time under each header to write down everything you can think of that you're going to miss when you've moved away all the foods you may not be able to get in your new place of residence, the festivals you won't be able to participate in anymore, the places you went on vacation a few times that will no longer be accessible to you, the friends you'll miss and the things you've done together. Once you've finished with your list, take the time to prioritize the most important items on it, those lasts that you really want to make happen one more time before you leave, Then head back to your transitional calendar, or the FAC if you're a family, and start planning. Make sure that you'll be able to eat at your favorite restaurant one last time, that you'll be able to revisit favorite places before you go, to spend time intentionally with people who are significant to you, and to participate again in cultural customs that won't exist where you're going next. Make sure you document each of these lasts somehow. Take pictures, save items for a scrapbook, write a journal entry, and for those particularly significant moments, pause, savor, and acknowledge how much this person, place, or event has meant to you and that this is your intentional goodbye. I call it marking the moment, and you can do it as a family too. Just pause acknowledge, cherish, say goodbye. It is such an important practice for us as we loosen our grip on the world we've loved and seek to enter a new world with eyes and heart wide open. Number four, create space for emotions. Oh, we can be so good at being task-focused, can't we? This is particularly true in the throes of a massive transition. We revert to a get-or-done mentality that certainly gets her done, but neglects other important aspects of a significant departure. I've spoken with too many people who have looked back on their last months in a place they loved and realized that the busyness and chaos of their move deprived them from fully experiencing the emotions attached to departure. And those emotions are a critical part of acknowledging the importance of the people places, and engagements we're leaving. 
it's okay to feel in the midst of transition. Scratch that. It is vital to feel in the midst of transition. Unless we allow our emotions to breathe and be known, especially to ourselves, our goodbyes will feel sterile or worse, trite. Not only will we regret that in the future, but it might also damage relationships with people who thought they were significant to us, but saw no evidence of that in the way we left. Creating space for emotions requires three P's, permission, people, and processing time. Allow yourself to fully experience the joys and sorrows that are inevitable in a major transition. Showing emotions allows us to process in a healthy way, to be present, to remain connected to those we're leaving behind, and to move on with fewer regrets. In ministry, I've often sensed that people avoid emotion because it might send the message that they're moving on reluctantly into whatever God has next for them. But Jesus grieved. Jesus acknowledged the fear and sadness of his final transition. I think that gives us permission to do the same. It might be necessary for us to try to connect with people, that's the second P, who can relate to the emotions of leaving a cherished place. People who can help us to process what we're losing, and people who will know how deeply we're feeling that loss. Solitary grieving has its place, if only for a time, but there's something truly beautiful about being accompanied by others who understand what we're going through. And then there's the third P, processing time. I've said it before, I'll probably say it again before this is over, goodbyeing takes time. It cannot be done, certainly not done well, in the final crazed weeks of packing and leaving. In order for it to be meaningful and even healing, it needs to unfold gradually. In the whirlwind of packing and departing chaos, it's easy to get caught up in the frenzy and forget the strategy. This is one more reason why I encourage those who are facing a major transition to start early, use a calendar, take time to evaluate and assess, and end consciously. And that's the final step, end consciously. We have a beautiful example of how to end consciously, still able to make time for personal needs and focuses while tending to the urgent in the way Jesus prepared for his own death. Think about his words and actions on that last evening in the upper room, surrounded by those he loved the most. He allowed himself to grieve. He knew it was coming. He knew it was for good. And still he grieved. He sought comfort from his Father, an infinite source of compassion and presence. He planned a final time with those closest to him. It's safe to assume that they didn't just happen to wander through the upper room on that evening. He pointed them toward God and the future as he spoke with them. He expressed his affection for each of them. He continued to invest in others, though he knew his time on earth was ending, by washing their feet, preparing them for his death, and inspiring them for the future. As trite as it might seem, when approaching a significant ending, we might be wise to ask what would Jesus do. 
and then to follow the example he set out as his life was nearing its end. Transition is seldom easy, even for those of us who do it well, and it's unavoidable in any life, particularly one of cross-cultural living. It's the gateway to a different future, and it must be negotiated well if it is to enhance our life experience and not mire it in negativity. As transitory as our lives can feel, is it not a reassuring and soothing thing to know that the God who walks with us is not going to change? He is the same in Pisa, Santiago, and Bangkok, and no amount of moving can distance us from His love or from His peace. Thank you for listening in today, friends. Stay tuned for the second part of this series coming soon, in which we'll look at how to enter well into a new world. As always, please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions to ask about your personal situation. My contact information is in the notes of this episode. And it would really be so helpful if you'd take the time to rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. That'll help to get it on the map. And of course, I love comments and shares because I so believe in the importance of the information this podcast spreads. That's all for today. Wherever you are, whatever state of transition you're in, I pray as I send this episode into the world that you will sense God near and feel His embrace and His peace.